Stop talking about Clemson in 2013 over Ohio State. It doesn't matter. Stop talking about Clemson in 2016 over Ohio State. It doesn't matter. Yes, Clemson blew through an easy schedule, including one of the weakest power conferences in memory of the ACC, but it doesn't mean they're going to beat Ohio State. I know you're tired of hearing me say it, but Ohio State has the edge against Clemson in this game. I brought along a friend, Corey Thompson, host of the Scarlet and Gray podcast. We're going to discuss this matchup in full detail and why we think Ohio State can exploit Clemson in a couple of critical areas. We'll also look at the Big Ten Bowl matchups, LSU-Oklahoma as well, who's got the edge in that matchup. Can Oklahoma give this a better game than people are giving them credit for? Plus, there might be a new number one in college basketball next week if Ohio State wins. Can they be number one? We'll talk about that and more coming up here on Locked on Buckeyes. Welcome back to the show. I am your co- your host, Kyle Lamb. Thanks for giving us a listen. Your only daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast on the interwebs. You can find us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that's Apple or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play the Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Lock on Buckeyes is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. All right, we are ready to crank things off with my brother from another podcasting mother, Corey Thompson of the Scarlet and Great Podcast. Corey, it's the first time you joining me over here on Lock on Buckeyes. I feel so privileged for you to grace me with your presence. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't do much to change your mother's basement. I mean, you put a couple of lights up and it, you got a, you got the lean pocket instead of the hot pocket. I mean, I applaud you for that to help your choice, but you didn't really do a whole lot. I, I, I am offended by that. My, my mother's basement is a very classy establishment. Uh, there are a lot of people that would love to spend all of their time in this basement. So please have a little more respect for my digs on the show. The meatloaf is good. I ain't Well, I'm just glad that you broke away from your um, uh, other co-host, Johnny Lunsford, and to spend time with me. I know that I'm a classier joint. I know that you would rather spend time here. We won't tell him. Johnny, if you're listening, I promise I didn't say that out loud. Somebody hijacked my voice. You know he doesn't listen. He just gets the talking points from other people. <laughs> Uh, so Corey, what do you, are, are you, let me start off by asking this. Are you petrified? Are you terrified? Are you quaking in your boots? Like many Ohio state fans are about this Clemson matchup. And you can go to the old movie, uh, a beautiful mind, uh, you know, I'm petrified, mortified, stupefied by, you know, by uh, Clemson. No, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I, leading up to it, you know, this as well as I do. It seemed like Buckeye fans were just pleading to be number one just so they could avoid Clemson. And it seemed like to be an ongoing joke. Hey, we got to avoid Clemson. we got to avoid Clemson. And, and don't get me wrong. I completely understand how elite Clemson is. I understand how talented they are. But it's like people forget we're Ohio State. We are arguably the most talented team in the country. And now we're easily, I mean, we were with Urban Meyer, one of the well, most well-coached teams in the country. Maybe not last year at times. I mean, we will have another discussion. But right now, in this 2019, under Coach Day, we are one of the most well-coached teams in the country as well. And we're hitting on all cylinders. 
and we've been doing so all season. And we just ran through three top 15 teams uh, in a row, you know, leading with my double digits. Let's not forget, Clemson should be afraid of us every bit as much as you want to be afraid of them. You know, I'm uh, I'm not superstitious. I'm not even a little stitious, you know, to quote Michael Scott on The Office. I, I don't believe in 2013 or 2016 having any impact on this game whatsoever. But even if you want to go down that road, this is a lot different Ohio State team than that 2016. That Clemson D-line was dominant. They were fast. They were athletic. They were big. They were strong and physical. That's not the case with this year's D-line. That Ohio State offense was limited in the passing game or inconsistent in the passing game, which A.T. Barrett, you know, not always being the best passer in the world, most consistent. And then you go back to 2013. People have to remember that game, I think, was a relatively even game. But Ohio State was playing it with Braxton Miller having a bum shoulder. Their best defensive back, Bradley Roby, being out that game because he was sitting out the bowl game. And that made a big difference in how Sammy Watkins was able to play in that game as well. So I don't look at Clemson necessarily as being the boogie monster, this insurmountable edge that Ohio, they have over Ohio State. I just don't look at it this way. I don't see those games as having anything to do with this. If you just focus on this Clemson team in a vacuum, they're really, really good. But they're also, Corey, they're really untested. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at the... I had an argument with a Clemson fan today who tried to tell me that Jalen Hurts numbers didn't qualify him for the be a Heisman finalist because of the competition he played. I'm not kidding. That's something a Clemson fan said to me today. Uh, and I had to point out, do you realize, yes, you are an elite program and you are absolutely deserving of a playoff spot, but do you realize how awful your conference is and how week in and week out it is basically a glorified scrimmage for you to the point where um, other podcast hosts are even talking about the idea that they were basically spending the first half of the season trying to put Trevor Lawrence in tough situations just to figure it out, you know, just to, just to, 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 to speed up his uh, or accelerate his progress, just because the competition is that boring for them. I, that, I, that dumpster fire of a conference. And I, I think the competition is a big deal. And it's not that teams cannot win a game like this because they haven't faced anybody. But for me, the bigger deal is you haven't faced a, a, four quarter, a tough physical four-quarter game. Will you be tired or exhausted or physically or mentally drained at the end of the game when you need to make plays because you're not used to this? Ohio State is used to this. In a row, they had to beat Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Okay, they are accustomed to, you know, it's funny, just a few weeks ago we were saying, well, they haven't played a four-quarter game. Well, down the stretch, they did sort of have to a little bit. They got tested and pushed by Penn State and Wisconsin. They have been through those battles now. We know how they would handle the adversity because we've seen it. We have not seen Clemson have to handle that with the exception of that early game against North Carolina. But that was so long ago. So I think the lack of a tough physical team having not had to play anybody on their level all year long, I think that is a big talking point that the media should be spending more time on because I think that is a critical thing at this juncture. You know, I mean, one team, you know, knows how good it can be in bad situations. They know they can flip that switch. And quite frankly, it goes to not not just numbers and stats. I mean, obviously those are important, and I take them very seriously. But if you just look at, like, a guy like J.K. Dobbins and just have a look in his eyes, does he ever – I've never seen – I don't know if I remember a player looking more determined than J.K. Dobbins. 
he has that chip on his shoulder just to prove to the world, no, I'm the best running back in the country. He's done it against Jonathan Taylor twice. Uh, now he gets to do it against another great back in Etienne. And uh, on that offensive line, it's just killing people in the run game. We faced how many top five rushing defenses this year, and they were no longer top five rushing defenses after we got through with them. Uh, I, I just look at it and say, you know, our guys just look more focused than I've ever seen. Uh, maybe well, maybe not ever. Maybe since 2014, that's that was a team that was clearly focused in the last few games. Uh, but then he got Justin Fields, who I. For a true sophomore, you wouldn't know it. You think he's played 50 games in college football already, the way he's so unflappable. And he can also flip that switch. Look at look at how bad he was. I hate to say it like that, but in the beginning of the Wisconsin game, and then the second half, my goodness, he's Joe Montana. He, yeah. he can't be stopped. He's, he's making he's converting third and 18 with his arm. It's just I I, I have more faith in this team to uh, to go over the or climb the mountain that it is Clemson right now than I have probably even had in 13 and 16. You know, a lot of people think that Clemson is going to be really, really tough to run on, and I've been saying it all week long on Locked on Buckeyes. I actually think this is an area that Ohio State can exploit. J.K. Dobbins in particular, you mentioned the great season he's having. He needs 99 yards to become the single-season rushing leader at Ohio State to break Eddie George's 1995 record of 1927, I believe it is. And... Look, Clemson is one of the top rushing defenses in the country, but they also have not faced a single top 25 rushing offense. They've only faced, out of the 12 games that they've played against FBS opponents, only three of them are even in the top 50 as far as yards per attempt. So this Clemson defense has not really faced a running game yet that to, to speak of. Ohio State will be the first one they've had all year long. I've mentioned it. They're a small front seven. They're a little bit like Michigan in that they're they're small up front, not overly big linebackers, and their their defensive tackles are nowhere near as talented as they've had in the past. Corey, I really think I'm going to go on record as saying this. I really believe, not just think, I believe that Ohio State will find a lot of running success against Clemson on December 28th. I agree with you, and there's another thing. There's a way to look at this about their running defense. Look. The teams they play, they're way ahead of all the time, constantly way ahead of. Teams are not being able to run the ball on them out of necessity. Right. They have to throw the ball to try to catch up. So it's ironic because, you know, the defenses, you look statistically, that they face are actually a little bit worse than the Big 12 defenses, and we know the Big 12 is known for their defense. That's how bad the teams are that they're playing week in and week out. They're, they jump out by 30 points. The other team can't run the ball anymore. It doesn't matter. And, you know, and every team that goes into face Clemson, these small, little, terrible teams, they go into face Clemson, they know once they're down 7 nothing. oh, we, we probably can't even run the ball anymore now. we got to make sure we keep pace with them. Uh, it, so this, their run defense, honestly, could arguably be extremely inflated by who they've played and how far they are or how easy they are. it is for them to jump ahead of people. And that's a multifaceted factor as well because not only are teams – in aggregate, not running because they're falling behind early, but because they're falling behind and they're passing more, you know, Clemson loves to blitz the crap out of people. They just love to bring pressure from every side, every angle, try to confuse the quarterback, and they're able to pin back, and even though they're not as talented up front, they're getting pressure because they're blitzing so much, and when teams are forced to pass, basically Clemson is just teeing off because they know you're going to throw when you're down 21 points in the second quarter. That's just the way it is. And 
if Ohio State is does what I think they can do and will do and get an early lead, be physical, run the ball against Clemson, that puts their defense in a position that it has not been in all season long and maybe changes the complexion of how they approach game planning for Ohio State because it's not the same. You can't just pin back and bring pressure all day long, especially if we assume, say, Justin Fields is healthy from his sprained MCL and does not have the brace on his knee any longer, he's going to get back to being uh, versatile and being able to run and scramble in the pocket and have more elusiveness. So there's a lot of factors here where I, I really think favor Ohio State in this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you know, this is why I've said it all year long. I love the fact that, you know, what we what we thought with Ryan Day would be an air raid team, he's actually become a power run team. Uh, the fact that he can adapt his philosophy to be that kind of team and be it extremely well uh, is the fact that now you get into these games with Clemson. They're like, you don't want to have an air raid with Clemson. I love the fact that I'm, there's no reason to not be confident in our run game against anybody. I would be shocked if Clemson just completely can shut it down unless they completely sell out the run blitz, which then you open up a lane for for um, our talented wide receiver core and, and Justin Fields because he's obviously shown he can beat people with his arm. And he's doing it actually a lot better lately than he has all season. So uh, I'll tell you, you know, there's Ohio State, they haven't faced a team. And I get it. We haven't faced a team like Clemson either. But that's what they've been retro and reverse. People have to remember who, who say these things, who get worried about this game. They haven't even come close to facing a team like Ohio State. They can beat you in a number of different ways and has an extremely talented defense uh, on top of everything else. And look, for people who worry about the 2013-2016 boogeyman, 2013, I was at that game. So it's probably why we lost. But I was at that game. And I can tell you right now, we were getting the ball back up nine until Philly Brown decided to pull a, a spin move on two guys and fumble up a punt and put them right back in the game. Uh, we were actually getting the ball back up nine We were and had all the momentum in the world to win that game. And, and, uh, and still Braxton Miller with a hurt shoulder was still able to get the ball back with a, a last-second uh, potential drive to, go, to win the game, even though he threw an interception. So that you're right. They played him even. 2016, compare that offensive roster to what we have now. It's not even close. It's not even close. So you don't have to worry about not scoring any points. I understand that people have this uh, this post-traumatic stress syndrome in their heads over that game. Don't even worry about it. This team is nowhere near what that team was. We've got more coming up. Corey Thompson and I talking about the Ohio State Clemson, looking ahead, some bowl matchups with the Big Ten. And also, should we worry about the start that they had against Michigan and Wisconsin in back-to-back weeks? Coming up here in just a second. All right, Corey Thompson, host of the Scarlet and Gray podcast, co-host of the Scarlet and Gray podcast, and yours oh, truly. No, host. Okay, host of the Scarlet and Gray podcast. I guess I had it on the first attempt. We're back for more Ohio State Clemson discussion. Corey, I want to ask you this. There, there are some people that, despite the wins the last couple of weeks, that they are a little paranoid about Ohio State's performance in the first half against Michigan defensively, against Wisconsin defensively. I have my thoughts. I'll share those in a second. But I, I want to get your take first. Uh, are those first-half performances indicative of something to worry about going to into the Clemson game and potential LSU or Oklahoma matchups if they were to move on to the championship? You know, I'll start with the defense because that seems to be everybody's big concern right now is the defense. 
And for whatever reason, I have never understood the idea that the defense played bad against Penn State. I thought they allowed one touchdown drive, and then the offense put them in bad situations. And quite frankly, I thought uh, they answered the bell pretty pretty well and stopped the bleeding at the time. So I really not worry about the defense. Uh, you know, the Michigan game is the rivalry is unique. I I, you know, I go back to 2013 again. I I don't bring it up that year. When they scored 41 on us, and they off their offense. If you look at the previous weeks, was just so putrid. The Michigan offense, I'm saying, and I didn't think for a life of me they'd score 41. And then here they are scoring at will on us, and I'm thinking, how this offense has been garbage for weeks. It's just a unique thing with the rivalry. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, they could be five and seven, and all of a sudden look good against us. It's just, that is that's just what the rivalry is. And Wisconsin, I really. Uh, I just don't think they were quite awake in that first half because once they turned that switch and, and figured out what was going on, I mean, Johnny said the best. They figure out what you like to do, and they just take it away from you. Uh, they, they dominated. They completely dominated. They rattled Jack Cohen in that second half. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I'm just i not really worried about it at all. I just Honestly, I just think at this point they just need, need a break, and if they were playing Clemson this week, I'd be a little bit more worried about it, but giving them three weeks off and – letting the defensive coach's scheme, uh, I'm not worried about it at all, really. I'm not saying Clemson will be completely shut down. I'm just saying the defense will put out a better showing than what people are concerned about. I think the Michigan game, there is a little bit of reason to be, uh, I don't know if concern is the right word, but to be alert of, of potential matchups with especially LSU and Oklahoma, but Clemson as well. I think there's a little bit of reason to be on alert because of that first half. But then at the same, by the same token, you have to remember, A, Sean Wade did not play in that game. And B, whatever Michigan was doing in the first half when Ohio State shut it down and went to man in the second half, they had Shea Patterson going 4 of 24 in the second half for like 40 yards. So clearly uh, it didn't last very long for Michigan and they were able to turn it around. The same thing happened a little bit in Wisconsin, except actually Ohio State's pass defense was pretty good for most of the game. Jack Cohn was very inefficient passing the ball they were running the ball on Ohio State in the first half I feel like they had their manhood challenged they were physically and emotionally beaten down from the previous two games which were very very physical games remember that was three straight top 10 opponents according to the Associated Press that Ohio State played in consecutive weeks I think they had their manhood challenged at halftime they were worn down but they went into halftime uh, into the locker room at halftime they adjusted they reached down they were running on fumes, but they managed to bring out every bit of emotion and will that they had left and came out and took it out on Wisconsin. And people have to remember uh, that Wisconsin offense only had 50 yards in the second half. So Ohio State shut them down the way they shut Michigan down as well. So there might be a few things to be concerned about going forward, but I don't think it's as bad as it seems on the surface. No, I mean, I, I, and I mean, I understand Clemson's, first of all, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, everybody knows that. Justin Ross, T. Higgins are excellent receivers. Uh, just so you know, they're both 6'4 long and they can, they can run, you know, like a gazelle. But at the same time, they also haven't faced a secondary like ours. So it'll be interesting when you have Wade completely healthy again. Arnett getting to be a little healthier with his wrist, and he's had such an exceptional year. Uh, he's also, you could argue, the emotional leader of that secondary. Uh, you know, and then, of course, Akuda, which is you know top 10 pick. And this is going to be where Akuda makes his money in this game. He's going to have to because they're going to need him. They're going to probably have to put him on an island a few times. 
I mean, guess he's an extremely talented receiver with a quarterback who can, you know, put the ball anywhere he wants. And sometimes it don't even matter where he put where he puts the ball, they can just reach over and get it. It was being, as we saw against Louisville. I loved it when ESPN called it a dime and I was like, he just jumped up over everybody. What are you talking about? Anyway, uh so yeah, I, I do agree. I don't think we're gonna completely like shut Clemson's passing game down. Don't get me wrong. It, it really, the, the only way you really shut them down in the passing game is going to have to rely on the shoulders of Chase Young. And you know they're going to at least double him. And that's where I say somebody, Harris at the fifth Friday, whoever it is, has to step up. Because, I mean, if there's a weakness on the defense more than anything. I mean, most people start screaming Borland fame. But uh, there's a weakness on the defense, I feel, this year, is that outside of Chase Young and maybe Devon Hamilton, the pass rush has been kind of mediocre. Uh, I mean, not overall. I mean, they can get to the quarterback, but from the other side. It seems like with all the attention Chase Young gets, somebody else would be eating. And it just really hasn't come to fruition yet. And now the teams are figuring out how to stop Chase, which is the age-old, just throw a bunch of bodies at him. Uh, somebody, I don't know who, I don't care who it is, Harrison Smith Friday, somebody, or Baptiste even maybe, has to get to the quarterback. Well, Wisconsin definitely learned the lesson from the first time around when they did not put two bodies on Chase very frequently, and they paid for that, and they did a much better job on him in the second half or in the second game. Although I thought he did do a decent job getting pressure, he just didn't get the actual sack numbers that we've seen in the past. But this will be interesting because you know how I feel about this. I first of all, nobody has really gotten to Trevor Lawrence all year. They've only given up twelve sacks all season long. And we've seen him get panicky when he's pressured. It just doesn't happen very often. If Ohio State can put pressure on him, it will really limit the downfield passing game, which is interesting because where Clemson really is good at beating teams is those those short intermediate routes, uh, especially on the flat and, and on the boundary, where they just throw the receivers in space and get you in one-on-one matchups, and they're so good at making plays and going the distance. That's not something that's going to work on Ohio State, in my opinion. So if Ohio State gets pressure and does not let them throw the ball downfield, I think this is a really, really good opportunity for Ohio State to maybe even put a crooked number on Clemson. Yeah, it, it's, it's possible. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, but the thing that probably concerns me the most, honestly, is Ohio State's open field tackling recently has not been spectacular as we saw against Wisconsin. I mean, you could chalk it up to the entire exhausted, whatever it is. Uh, Michigan, it was not good either. Maybe, again, they were just kind of starting to get tired and worn down a little bit. I don't know, but now they have three weeks of rest. If I'm Hathley or Madison, I am throwing them in that tackling drill over and over again, saying, this has got to stop. You can't you can't let a guy like Etienne get – I mean, if you, if you stop him within five yards, you have to stop him. You can't let him break your tackle and go for 60, because he can. So – that honestly, that's probably the, we're talking about concern. That's the biggest thing I'm kind of concerned about is like, why is the tackling going to going to crap late in the season? How do you see uh, looking at the other semifinal matchup? Oklahoma right now is sitting something like plus thirteen against LSU. I, I, look, I'm not telling you to go uh, gamble away your hard earned money, but my goodness, if you're going to put money down, I really like Oklahoma to cover. That 13 point spread. I think the Sooners are a bad matchup for LSU. I think as long as Jalen Hurts takes better care of the ball, I think they're going to put a lot of offensive numbers against the LSU defense. Even against Georgia, the secondary for LSU was not very good considering who they were playing. 
Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, as most people do, but Oklahoma, I think, keeps it close and maybe even wins this game. You know, I, I agree with you. I don't understand everybody discounting Oklahoma. I'm not you – know, I get the idea that people want to play them instead of Clemson. Don't get me wrong. I get that. But people were acting like Oklahoma was just some easy out, and I just don't agree. I understand LSU has looked good this year, but I'll tell you what, I think the SEC hadn't looked that good this year. And uh, I, 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 honest to God, I, I'm sure Joe Burrow will put up numbers. He's played fantastic. And the Oklahoma defense, while better this year, is still not great. I'm sure – I actually agree with you. I think it will come down to five within five points. Yeah, I, I think we're looking at a really close game. I, I'm surprised at that line. Uh, I really, really think Oklahoma gives LSU everything they can handle. Maybe they don't pull it out in the end, but they're going to keep that a close game. Uh, how how are you feeling about uh, Michigan against the an undermanned Alabama team? We don't know how how many guys are going to be sitting this out for Bama. Uh, we know Tua won't be playing. Mac Jones will be starting quarterback there. How are you feeling about that Citrus Citrus Bowl showdown? If Alabama wants to play that game and their heads in it at all, they're going to crush Michigan. Uh, that being said, I don't know how Alabama. This is a team that's been in the playoffs. They're literally their entire career as these recruits. Now they got to play in the Citrus Bowl, probably a bowl most of them never heard of, even though that bowl used to have at least some prestige to it back in the day. Um, you know, it's it's they're probably what we're going to what bowl? You know where? Uh, we're playing Michigan. Ah, geez, you know how do you play? Kind of like, oh, you know, how do you get up for that? Uh, because you know, a lot of these kids, it's the playoffs are bust, and I mean, even sometimes big bowls like the Rose Bowl don't even matter for some of these kids and for. for for uh, uh, these kids of Citrus Bowl, I mean, how many of them sit out? You know, does that whole receiver course sit out? <laughs> I mean, and who knows who plays? But if, if Alabama, I will say, if their heads in it and they want to win it for Saban or whatever, or Pride or whatever, I think they they could beat Michigan by over twice. I don't know if it means anything in this matchup, but it is worth noting that Nick Saban in his career at LSU and Alabama is under 500 with his bowl record when not taking part in the playoff or BCS title game. So uh, there is something to the motivation edge or factor or lack of edge in this particular case. Does Alabama want to be at the Citrus Bowl? Do they care about the Citrus Bowl? I'm not sure that Michigan does either, uh, but it will be interesting if if Michigan comes out and actually with something to prove against a brand-name team that maybe does not care to be there. That's kind of a thing. Maybe Michigan sees it like we're playing Bama. Well, let's go. You know, I mean that that could be a motivational factor for them. You know, I'm I'm kind of looking at these bowl matchups. The first one I first saw it, I'm like, well, obviously with Ohio State playing in the playoff and the bowl ties with the SEC, everybody moves up one, and Ohio State also being in there. The Big Ten has two additional teams in the New York Six bowls. At first blush, it's like, okay, well, the Big Ten's got it really tough this year with the bowl lineup. But when you look every matchup one by one, I don't know, call me crazy, people do every day, but I I really like the Big Ten bowl matchup here. I think Wisconsin is going to, I'm going to call it upset over Oregon, but it's not, and it's not a huge upset. I think Wisconsin beats Oregon. I think Penn State beats Memphis. I actually like the bowl matchup so much. So I think the Big Ten may go six and three in this slate. Yeah, the one I didn't like uh, is Tennessee versus Indiana because I, I was like, man, Indiana had a chance to really – I think Tennessee's going to beat them. <laughs> I hate to say it. I mean, I'm a Big Ten fan, but 
Tennessee has played well down the stretch, and Indiana, yeah, up and down, and they've just played better than they what they normally play. I would, I don't know. I thought that was a bad matchup for Indiana, but we'll see what happens. Well, Tennessee definitely has been playing better. I think they finished with five wins down the stretch uh, to to get there to the to that bowl. Um, you know, freshman quarterback looked really good. The thing I will say about Indiana, I thought they were still playing well at the end of the year, but their schedule was very much backloaded. They ran into Michigan, Penn State uh, down the stretch. I think that this is still a really good Indiana team. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to go with the Hoosiers in that one, but I but I do agree. Tennessee is playing a lot better than they were earlier in the year. Yeah, if it was the Tennessee that lost to Georgia Southern or Georgia State or whatever it was, I'd say, well, Indiana could crush them. But I mean, the only thing they lost to down the stretch was Alabama. So, what do you make I, I of the? Uh, I, I, I was hoping Indiana would get a little bit, maybe lighter matchup for them, but because uh, I'd like to see them win the bowl. I, I mean, they still might. I mean, I could be wrong. So, I, I mean, the bowl season is, is extremely hard to predict. Last one I want to ask you about uh, before we wrap up: Minnesota Auburn. What do you? What's your take on that? Auburn's defense really, really good. The run game has been up and down, but fairly good. Bo Nix extremely inconsistent. He he'll make a throw out of out of twenty that makes you go wow, and then the the next nineteen it's like oh yeah he's a freshman. Um, I, I I actually I, I you know what at first when I saw this matchup I'm like Auburn's gonna win this, but I started to think about it. I don't know. Tanner Morgan, really good quarterback. Those receivers are excellent for Minnesota. Call me crazy. I think the Gophers may get it done against Auburn. Honestly, I see Auburn winning big. I don't. I don't have any more faith in Minnesota after that Wisconsin game. It's almost like you revealed yourselves as the pretenders you are. You go back to the kiddie table and the big Ten. Well, they won't be playing in snow at least. That obvious. I was going to say, well, you obviously didn't think very highly of that observation. I said they won't be playing in snow, at least. Oh, well, Auburn would never play in snow. The SEC wouldn't allow it. Right on, man. So, well, I appreciate it, Corey. Corey Thompson, you can check him out on the other network, you know, mine, Unscripted Ohio on the Scarlet and Gray podcast. But anyhow, I appreciate you joining me over here uh, with the good guys on Lock On Pod- Lock On uh, Lock On Buckeyes podcast. Uh, it's it's a pleasure as always. Oh yeah, a lot of fun. It's worth going out on this note. Number one, Kansas. Number four, Maryland. Both going down. Tuesday night in college basketball, Maryland losing on the road to that Penn State team that Ohio State just wiped off the floor. That is a good Penn State team. I said it before last week, and I said it after Ohio State won early this week. That is a good Penn State team that Ohio State beat. They were actually a favorite at home against Maryland in this game, and they proved Vegas correct. Maryland goes down. Kansas goes down. What that means is there are six unbeatens left in college basketball as I record this. Ohio State and Auburn being the only two power conference teams remaining that are unbeaten. Ohio State has a shot at that number one ranking next week in the AP poll. Kansas has a couple of cupcakes coming up. They already won one of those on Tuesday, and they have one more coming up this weekend. Ohio State, meanwhile, is back in action Sunday afternoon on the road at Minnesota. So that should be a tough test for Ohio State. Kentucky coming up next Saturday. So Ohio State has a really good chance, if they win on Sunday, of being the AP number one team in the country next week and potentially debuting as the number one team in the net rankings 
which come out. This is the remember, these are the rankings that replaced the RPI last year by the NCAA. It's the measuring tool that the NCAA men's basketball selection committee uses to uh, basically compare and rate wins and also measure teams indirectly. So Ohio State next week could be number one in football. Well, technically not number one. Number two, I'm sorry, old habits die hard. But they could be number two next week in football and number one in basketball in the AAP poll and number one in the net rankings. There's a shot. Hey, I'm just saying, Ohio State might be number one in both football and basketball come January 1st. Think about that. Who knows what happens? Anyway, that's going to do it for today for the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Thanks for listening as usual. Find Locked On Buckeyes five days a week, your only daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast on the platform of your choice. We are on a variety of platforms, including but not limited to Apple or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked On Buckeye. Find me also on my other network, Unscripted Ohio. Thanks for giving me a listen. We'll be back tomorrow. More bowl coverage. Fiesta Bowl coming up December 28th. Ohio State and Clemson. Looking forward to talking more about it next three weeks. Thanks for giving us a listen, everybody.